Hello, this is Paul Bainsfair and this is the IPA podcast. I recently sat down with Sarah Golding, our president, to ask her about her agenda, Magic and the Machines. We also talked about the IPA's recent mission to Silicon Valley and to Los Angeles. This is what she had to say. So, Sarah, Magic and the Machines. Yes. That was your agenda. You're two and a three quarter years in. Oh, it's gone no, so fast. No, one and three quarter years in. It's going fast. Yes. Did you, Too fast. Did you call the right agenda, do you think? I think for once in my life I did. <laughs> I think it was incredibly timely. If you think about some of the issues we've had to deal with together over the last 18 months, whether that was you know, brand safety and ad fraud, having to write open letters to Google and Facebook, calling them to account, or us um, lobbying the government um, to uh, put a moratorium on micro-targeted political advertising, through to just seeing what's coming out of all the agencies in the industry, whether they be media agencies or creative agencies. I feel like the last 18 months has seen a turbo boost in agencies really embracing all of the emerging technologies out there, and particularly AI, um, as additional creative tools in their toolbox, rather than thinking, oh, no, no, they're the tools that we don't understand or the tools that belong to the platforms and bespoke purist tech firms. We are taking hold of them, we're learning about them, and we're seeing what we can do with them to tell ever better, more immersive brand stories for our clients. You know, even at my agency, the Anne Partnership, we have just come out of producing an ad that was written by a creative AI. And it was a pretty scary experience. And <laughs> the script that the machine wrote was quite um, dystopian in its view. But I mean, such a learning there. And yet the execution isn't as good, I would say, as one that two brilliant creative humans would write. But we were true to that um, experiment and I think there's lots of learnings there for the industry writ large and we're not alone in that there's lots of brilliant creative agencies um, out there doing similar things and we've seen the case studies on the walls of um, the IPA at Belgrave Square and we also saw brilliant effectiveness case studies at the IPA awards in November so you know I talked about learning from the front I've my God, have I learned from the front. I mean, in various moments, I have felt like Bridget Jones in this process, <laughs> <laughs> thinking, my God, why am I on the BBC tech show? But I think, you know, I have learned so much. My agency's learned a lot, and I really hope that um, we've managed to inspire as well as educate so many members and, and you know, old members as well as, you know, junior members of, of, of the industry. That's what I want my legacy to be. Well, I think you, I mean, you're right. And it's very noticeable to, to me when I go around agencies that there was, a ge- there was a genuine sort of buzz around the idea that this mm. would be the agenda. And as you've said so well, um, we've seen a lot over the last two years, not just, um, you know, in terms of the media platforms or, you know, the tech platforms, yeah. but also how agencies have adapted. And one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, because I think you mentioned it in your speech, was the was the fact that there's still a very important role for the human in the loop. 
You know, oh my goodness, yes. you know, you, you just touched yes. on it with that AI written ad. Um, and I know we'll come on to our recent trip mm. to the West Coast, but that was a recurring theme that, yeah, these machines are great, but without us, they are just machines. You yeah. know, you really do need that human element. So here at home, we've seen all this change. You've been yes. leading from the front. Yes. Uh, we recently led a delegation out to the West Coast to find out what's going on out there. Yeah. And, it, you know, we always used to say it was a bit like a glimpse into the future going over there. What did you... I mean, I know, I know we got a lot out of it, but did, did, did you think that this time from visiting San Francisco, Silicon Valley, and then on to LA? Or did you think maybe we'd caught up a bit? I definitely... I mean, it was my first time to Silicon Valley. Um, so I wasn't quite sure what I was going to expect, but I did fear that I would feel intimidated by what I heard and saw out there and think, oh my goodness, we have got so much work to do, not just within our industry, but within the creative industries writ large within the UK. And I didn't get that sense this time. But that's not to say we didn't hear from some amazing people. There are some fantastic startups out there. And um, there's a brilliant kind of can-do attitude, um, you know, you experience in both LA and San Francisco, people who are obsessed with solutions and technologies. But that's where I found real hope, <laughs> if you like, um, because they need us. They need, certainly need, you know, all the great talent in the advertising industry to tell stories with those technologies and that was something, I mean, I don't know whether you thought that as well, Paul, but I felt that, you, you know, a lot of these companies had forgotten that. The consumer had been, or, you know, the consumer insight wasn't there, had been left out of the loop. And when you actually talk to them about, well, you know, how is, what, what's the consumer going to think about this? And how are you going to use this? Or how are you going to use it to tell brand stories or just tell stories? It was like, a, oh, oh, the, the, you mm. kind of could see the light bulb go and, mm. um, off. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, so I felt I felt reassured that there's a real place for us. As with all these things, there were some. Uh, we saw some brilliant tech. We saw some brilliant companies, and we saw some that were more disappointing. I mean, I think the people who impressed me the most, and that's because I felt that they had understood the need to tell stories and were telling truly immersive stories in ways that I hope one day we will. Uh, with our clients and, and with the brands that we work with was um, when we visited ILMX Labs. The George Lucas The George people, Lucas yeah. people. Because there they were using, what do they call it, multiple realities. It's a combination of AR and VR and everything in between to tell truly immersive stories. And I found that blew my mind. You know, mm. I felt, oh my God, I am going to be Princess Leia in the very near future, as opposed to having to just watch her on mm. my television screen. And that's where I thought they were getting it right. When you then went to, you know, other companies where you, you couldn't argue that the the tech was amazing, I couldn't quite see how we were going to get our arms around it mm. and use it to really inspire normal people. Yeah, I agree with that. I think the, um, I mean, look, um, virtual reality has been talked about for decades, really, and I, it's, it's taken such a long time to, to sort of get to a place where we, we can imagine that it might really take off. I think this time, like you said, when we went to Lucasfilms, 
or ILM. Um, ILM. ILM. You got the real sense that they're on yeah. the verge of doing it now. And we went also subsequently, I mean, you had to rush back for a pitch, but we went to another place in, um, in LA. Yes. Uh, which was similarly impressive, and I think Spielberg had invented, uh, or rather had invested money into. So that's really on the verge of happening. But, but to go back to what you said yeah. earlier, I definitely got the impression, whereas before it was all about eyeballs and they didn't really care about advertisers, no. now all these new startups, they, they were quick to get to the point, but what do you guys, yeah. what do you want us to yeah. do? How can you, in, you know, how can you interact with this? Mm. How can we bring advertising to this? Mm. So I think there's a sense of, you know, more collaboration with people and like partnership, us. partnership, yeah. yes. Particularly Google. I mean, that was quite interesting, wasn't it, when we were talking about Google Lens technology. Um, the guy there was writing down all of the ideas. That yeah, he wouldn't let us out of the room. No, yeah. um, and we do have great ideas. But that was the other thing that was noticeable. When they're talking to us, they're not saying, oh, how can you advertise on our platforms? How can you, um, you know, put... British Gas, for example, on this platform. They want to talk partnership, and I think that's where we need to think smarter. So in the future, the way in which we are going to um, work with these new technologies is going to be in a new way. You know, It's not going to literally be taking a piece of film that we're putting onto broadcast channels and putting it onto new platforms, you know, like Twitch. You know, Twitch was amazing. Oh. Mind-blowing. Um, Mind-blowing. Yeah. And a real oppo- there's a real opportunity there. You know, and we as advertisers have to think of Twitch as a channel alongside you know, Channel 4 and Sky. But we're going to have to think much more creatively about how we take our brands and our clients there. Mm, definitely. Um, I mean, in fact, I mean, it, I mean, I'm sure that anyone listening to this has heard of Twitch. And, uh, but we're old. But we're old and... Uh, <laughs> we don't play games. We don't, we're not gamers. We're not those kind of games. But it's more than gaming, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's, it's, more, it's it, an interactive platform. So there are more, yeah. well, it's, you know, there are more interactions on it daily than Facebook. Yeah, and to me, it's more like um, X Factor or Britain's Got Talent. It's kind of that kind of, you know, that online... Um, What's the word? Well, uh, it, reality, yeah. reality yeah, yeah. gaming and show. It, yeah, and being, or, or even like a radio show yeah. where you're, these guys are playing the games, but you, you want them to, to send you a shout out. You want yeah. to be acknowledged. You want to be part of it. No, it, was, it was fascinating. But going back, again, going back to this human in the machine thing, yeah. that I was also interested in a smaller business that presented to us. Um, what was the name of that company? I can't remember you now. You mean Experial, um, don't you? Yes. Sunnyvale. Yes, who uh, had a lot of really interesting techie guys yeah. behind it, who were who were introducing AR yes. into sports arenas. Yeah. Simple things like you know the old t-shirt cannons that you you yeah. see at grounds where people shoot t-shirts into the crowd. Or balls. They, they were doing it virtually yeah, from were. from the big jumbotrons, yeah. and you could use your phone to try and catch them if you if you get it right. You go around the back. Pick up a T-shirt. I mean, that's a really interesting but example. What was fascinating about them? I was less excited about the games and the oh, if you play this game, you can win an actual ball. Um, <laughs> if you caught four virtual balls, it was more the fact that they have come up with a new way of coding, which is graphic. And if that takes off, that can really democratize the skill of coding. So even you could do it, Paul. 
well, I don't know about that, but <laughs> it was. It but certainly it was impressive. Do it, yeah. and it, and it seems so simple. And because it's often a lot easier to do these things if they're visual. And I think you know, to be able to code graphically felt like a very simple. And it was intuitive. And very intuitive. I mean, it's very idea. hard to describe yeah. on a on a podcast, but that could be revolutionary. Revolutionary. And actually, yeah. it it kind of um, a light bulb went off in my head because. I've, I've always been slightly nodding along when people have been saying over the last 10 years, you've got to get your kids to learn to code. Yeah. And if you can't code, you're not, you know, you're not in the new priesthood. I thought to myself, that's all a bit bollocks, isn't it? Because yeah. we don't all know how to, you know, kind of put an engine together, but we all know how to drive right. a car. And I, and I'm, I, I saw that presentation, oh, this is it. Yeah. We, we will be able to code, but not in the, the way, way that, you know, coders yeah. with headphones and head downs do it but actually just in a natural way yes that would be amazing um, and then the other one that stands out for me just because they frighten me to death is amazon so we went didn't we to um amazon studios in la and we met the alexa team and I mean, that is a business that oh, just goes from strength to strength and Alexa now moving out of the home into the car and beyond is a well it's going to be a reality in 2020 yes and I think it has far-reaching effects for the way brands build their sort of equity with consumers as well because if you're if you're going to be ordering it's a short jump isn't it to be ordering stuff through Alexa yes for your home are you going to are you going to go through each brand, brand by brand? Or are you just going to say, for the generic stuff, oh, and I need some sugar, or I need some this, or I need some that, and leave it up to Alexa to decide? And we quizzed them on this, do you we remember? We did quiz them, and, and we made them do the test twice to prove us cynics wrong. I mean, I took some heart from the fact that their algorithm does jumble up the choices that they present to you. Um, so I felt like it wasn't a wholly Amazon-biased experience. But yeah, it's a real challenge. But I think, I'm, I'm worried, they're so clever that they would have, they would have like, double-bluffed us. You know, they would have yeah. said, yeah, that we'll start like that. But then eventually, because they're, I mean, they've got a women's lingerie company, Amazon. They've got, they're, they're opening all sorts of yeah, own brands and, and products. Yeah. That, you know, they're not building those brands up, so no. they must believe that they're going to be able to just... You know, they'll be in the supply chain because of voice-activated, you know, demand. So it's like, it was, you're right, it was, it was one of the most interesting. I mean, it is frightening because still, I still don't believe that Alexa isn't listening to us the whole time. And taking all that data into some central cloud yeah. and using it against us at a later date. Um, but, but they... Mind you, the only reassuring thing was when he was doing the demo yeah. and he kept saying, Alexa... Alexa. <laughs> he wasn't listening. She wasn't listening. Alexa couldn't hear him in the bloody no. room, so no. I'm not sure they're listening to us. No, all the time. I thought she decided not to listen to him because he got a little bit annoying at that stage. <laughs> so there you go. Alexa's just getting cleverer and cleverer. But they did give me the buzzword of the trip, which was the multimodal buzzword. Um, I have, of course, used that in various meetings. I can imagine. Um, although I'm not sure it was as impressive as I thought. But for any listener out there, they told us that you know voice should only be seen as just one of the many ways we'll interact with AI. And in their parlance, they said we need to think multimodal, i.e. voice is good for answers and screens are good for choices. So I thought that was you know, wise words for yep. us to take forwards. 
pretty obvious, but yeah, it's, but, it's worth thinking yeah. about like that. Um, yeah, I, th- I thought the other buzzword that we, we heard either the word tethered or untethered <laughs> quite a lot, didn't we? I only thought that you used those words with horses. No, well, or other activities <laughs> yes. you might think of. But no, I think it, this, was, um, this was going back to um, virtual reality and the need to not have you connected with cables and wires to everything so yeah. you can walk freely. And they seem to be making great strides in that area. But it was a good trip. It was a good trip. And would you, I mean, we're going to do it again in a couple of years probably. Would you, would you say, recommend it to anyone? Oh, would you God, say it's yes. worth doing? I mean, I just think you, well, you learn so much from the people that you visit. I think it really opens your eyes. And, you know, I know that my clients have been fascinated by, you know, what I saw, what I heard. You know, they want to know what Apple are doing, you know, who Apple is scared of. Um, they want to know all about Alexa and what's coming next. Um, so that's been, you, you know, I would say that's invaluable. But also, I learned quite a lot from the other agencies that we went with. There are agencies that I haven't heard of doing brilliant stuff, t- particularly in the um, data and media space. Mm. And I think that's, is, and, and, and since then, we've all been in contact with each other. And I think it's a real opportunity to partner with other agencies um, and so I would absolutely encourage it I mean the, the jet lag's a bit of a it's not good is it I mean I'm a bit of a wuss but whew, well I, th- I actually the thing that I came back more than ever I've been to LA a few times like most people I suppose is the traffic oh. I mean you literally <laughs> you have to set off an hour and a half before you want to get somewhere, if you're going like seven or eight miles. Well, traffic was so bad, the pilot on my plane never made it. So we were sat on the runway for 40 minutes. And this is the guy who, work, who lives and yeah, works out there. an American Airlines pilot. Well, I spoke to, I can't remember who it was now, a Brit who we met who was living out there and yeah. I, about this topic. And he said, well, you just don't, you, you don't move out of your area. No. You know, it's like, it's like going to Manchester. The idea yeah. of going from Santa Monica to Beverly Hills is just, well, you just don't do it. You know. Did you have a favourite? Because I did. Well, of, of the trip? Well, yeah. I mean, I preferred LA because it's so content-based. Mm. You know, that's where Warners are. You know, that's where Apple kind of studios are. Which are you know, they're, they're focused very much on the content that Apple are going to be producing in the near future. And I loved all that because, it, you know, it's where the music and the film is all being created, but in a, um, you know, in... in particularly inventive ways whereas San Francisco felt very gadgety mm, I agree with that you, yeah I totally agree with that and I think I mean I've been lucky this has been my third trip of this kind and the first time it was the other way around I was That's more amazed by what I saw in San Francisco yeah. because it, I mean it was it was it was earlier on in the in the learning curve for me and it was all dazzling and I when we went to LA I, I thought they were all a bit you know airy fairy yeah bit like crazy people uh, but this time I completely agree with you and I found there was something disturbing you mentioned dystopian there was something a bit disturbing about San Francisco I mean obviously there was a there was a massive strike going on amongst all the hotel yes. workers with you know placards saying yeah. one job should be enough I mean these people have to work yeah. you know, God knows how many jobs to, to, to make a living then we heard of um, you know social problems with the what the Americans call rather insultingly janitorial staff, yeah. you know, who can't afford to live near 
these big tech giants places in Silicon Valley. Uh, and they're not getting the help with the, you know, Terrible. the housing. I mean, there was incredible homelessness in San Francisco. I just, found, I just found it a little bit not very nice place no. actually, um, compared to say as I did when we went before. But LA much, much more upbeat and sunny, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Uh, but just generally a sense of, you know, you can you can make it there. Yeah. You know, and everyone had that feeling. Because it took heart in the fact that even Apple have their fears. So do you, you know, whenever we stand up in a presentation, you know, one of the blue chip examples you always pull out on a chart is, oh, we could be like Apple. And uh, they said, oh, you know, they have similar conversations, but obviously pull out different examples. And they're really looking over their shoulder at people like Netflix. Mm. And um, that just... Yeah, because we had that long presentation, yeah. didn't we, about Apple going into effectively being... Because they feel they can't not a competitor, be content, yeah. because content's king these days. But they didn't seem to have a clear nope. purpose, did they? But they know consumers are following the best content, so they know they have to be producing the best content, which is why they're commissioning um, pro- programmes, content series with people like Oprah and Spielberg. So I guess it's like, watch this space with, with, with Apple. Mm. I mean, they're not going to lie down, are they? They're going to... No, and equally, I, I think, you know, we also need to look at people like Netflix and say they've got where they've got to without advertising. Yeah. You know, are they going to... That's not true. They spend a fortune on advertising. No, no, I mean taking it on their platform. Um, I think that's got to change. Yeah, it will do, won't it? We'll have to. But will it, but will it destroy the golden goose? You know, will, do we all watch Netflix because it's such an enjoyable experience? I think if they still continue to produce amazing content like Narcos... Um, what else do I watch? Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad, and that's quite old now, but I mean, I watch everything on that channel. It's brilliant. A yeah. bit of advertising isn't going to put me off. Although, that just going back to the conversation we had with the Facebook team, we were talking to the WhatsApp guys, yeah. weren't we? And they're clearly struggling to work out how advertising is going to work on that platform because yeah. that will interfere, I think, with, I the, think really with the experience. Okay, so we should wind this up now, Sarah, because we could talk all day about our trip. Um, Nobody is interested in listening to us boffer. Absolutely right. (laughs) Um, I think one of one of my lasting um, sort of impressions of of the trip, though, which I just wanted to share with you, was it's very easy for us to go out there and think, "Oh, we're just little old London advertising Mm -hmm. agencies, and we're going into the lion's den of these massive tech giants." But it's always worth remembering, and I think we picked this up, we've sort of mentioned it earlier, like 98% of all their revenues, these are the biggest companies in the world, comes from advertising. You know? And we are more important to them than sometimes we think. What do you say to that? You're too right. But that's why we shouldn't lose our swagger. Definitely right. Let's swagger on together, Sarah. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, it's been fun talking to you. Yeah, thanks. and you. Thanks.